Hello and welcome to Mag Heroes, a podcast about people who make magazines. I'm Dan Rowden. This week's guest is Alice Pomfret, founder of Akin Magazine, a title that focuses on a different person each issue. In our chat, Alice touches on using Kickstarter to launch the magazine last year, the importance of meeting readers in person, and running pop-up magazine shops in her hometown of Norwich. If you're a magazine publisher, go have a look at Subsale, a tool I'm building for indie mags, which makes selling subscriptions super easy. It takes just minutes to start selling renewing subscriptions on your existing website, and then Subsale gives you a great overview of your subscriber base, like lists of who bought each issue, nice charts showing revenue over time, plus regular commerce tools like refunds, emailing customers, and bulk fulfillment exports. Get started for free at subsale.com. That's S-U-B-S-A-I-L.com. Now on with the show. Hi Alice, how's it going? Hello, I'm alright, thanks. How are you? I'm very well, yes. All good here. Um, so yeah, let's start with a quick introduction to Akin, the magazine. Um, yeah. Could you just give a brief rundown of how it came about and what it is? Yeah, so Akin is kind of my side hustle, as many would people would say. Um, I founded the magazine last year from a Kickstarter campaign, so I successfully raised around £3,000 to fund our first issue in first year. Um, and we've just launched issue two, so each issue is about or is inspired by a different person. So the first issue was inspired by Zaha Hadid, and all the content is kind of related to that or inspired by that and then our second issue which launched last week was all about Grace and Perry so completely different the content's all kind of pushing the boundaries a bit more this issue um, and we also run events and pop-up shops um, in Norwich which is where I'm from like a couple of hours outside of London so that's kind of like a nice little roundup of what a kin is um, and how I started it. Yeah, uh, there's a few different things that I'd like to ask you about. Uh, the first one being Kickstarter. Obviously, that's kind of how the magazine started and it helped it become a thing. Um, how did you find that process, uh, creating a magazine through Kickstarter? Um, and obviously, it's a tool that other magazines have used as well to kind of get off the ground. Uh, yeah. do you've, you've, obviously, it's like a valuable resource for you. But uh, yeah, just interested in that whole kind of process. Um. It was kind of a big learning curve for me because I, obviously I've never done Kickstarter before or anything, but it was kind of the best way for me to raise money kind of quickly and not as simply as I could, but kind of the most efficiently. Um, so it kind of, before you start, you have to have everything in line. So you have to know what you're kind of giving your readers when they pay for different packages and things like that. And then you also have to know like what risks are involved. So it's kind of good for you starting out, you kind of know what, a, the magazine is getting itself in for and also B, what the readers are having. So it makes you kind of 
think about everything properly and not just be like oh this is a grand idea that I kind of have you have to kind of commit so in that way it's really really good because once you put it out there you can't really go back on it um but it is I don't know it's kind of stressful (laughs) because you only have a month to raise the money and then a couple of days before it ends you're kind of panicking like how do I how am I going to get the last kind of people to fund and help me but um it was really nice as i was supported a lot by the community so mag culture stack and loads of people kind of tweeted about it and mentioned it um so that really helped and then that obviously helped going into the first issue kind of gets your name out a little bit so you're not kind of going completely from nothing you've kind of already built up a little readership basis and people which kind of support the idea that your magazine holds and things so it's nice as an easy way into the industry not industry but making a mag because you kind of have a a group of people that are now with you hopefully for a while um yeah yeah. um i'd assume that putting a a kind of half kind of fictitious magazine up before it's obviously available and you're you're raising funds before it could be available um how challenging is that because obviously you want to put spreads you want to kind of show as much of the magazine as you can without it actually existing um was that was that difficult um, I think the most difficult part of it was when I was kind of pitching it to shops because I do all of the distribution, the distribution myself, um, and obviously if they want to, they want to know what they're stocking, and you're kind of going in there being like, "Hi, this is the cool Kickstarter I'm doing," but you can't really see much of the magazine. So that was kind of the hardest part was putting it into shops and people who are going to buy it. But I think I kind of designed like a whole story kind of thing about where the money's going and who's featured and things like that so I think it helped kind of create a little capsule and people could kind of imagine what it was but obviously it's quite risky because they're kind of buying into just your idea and they kind of have to have faith in you as as a person and a creative that they're going to buy into it but yeah I think the hardest was when we're going into shops because like now for issue two I designed a press release and everything like that so you just learn along the way um, and issue one had uh, an interesting binding technique, yes. which I was quite interested. To, I mean, it was interesting to see come out. Yeah, what what was the um, well, first I guess describe it, and then uh, what was the, what was the <laughs> idea behind that? Um, so yeah, issue one, it's well, akin is A five, and then our b- binding for issue one was ring bound. Um, so Zaha Hadid was the issue one and it was all inspired by her I mean ring bound you can kind of say it's kind of architecturally if you want to be conceptual about Mm. it but me I'm a magazine designer and that's kind of I'm freelance so I work for clients and I've worked a lot with magazines and I just wanted something for my first issue to kind of be a bit different and people might pick it up because it has that binding and because I don't have a big name yet or because the kin wasn't like a household brand it kind of helped on the shelves when it was in amongst other mags and also I done it because of ease of use so where the one thing I hate is cracking a spine on a book and I was like well if it doesn't have a spine it doesn't have to be cracked <laughs> so I done it so people could kind of just really get to grips with it and fold it and if you're on the tube reading or something like that you it's kind of not hard to manage so kind of a few different reasons why it was ring bound but it's mainly from a design point of view just because that's where kind of my skills come from, I suppose. Okay. Um, did that make um, like cost higher or did it make the production of it any more difficult? Um, cost definitely higher. Um, production, 
it just meant that things couldn't run into the bleed and things um, couldn't kind of go across spreads, otherwise they'd get cut. So when the printers came back with your kind of proof PDF, they marked all the holes where the ring binds would be. So you just had to double check that no text was falling into it or anything like that. But I mean, mm. I really liked it. Issue two is perfect bound, but I think issue three, I want to change the binding. So it might be a common theme <laughs> that Akin's binding is different. <laughs> Um, and is issue two also A5, or is that the format also changed? No, it's A5 as well. Okay. So, yeah, mixing it up a little bit. Um, yeah. Did, I mean, did the... You said that the first one was kind of like the architectural kind of theme. Do you think that you would mm. tie the, the binding to the person in, in another issue, or is that kind of, was that kind of a one-off? I think, well, for issue three, so I think issue three is going to be about Vivian Westwood. Now I've said it, I kind of have to do it. Um, <laughs> um, and I think, obviously, because she's textile and fashion, I really want to do or create a magazine that is kind of textile-based, so maybe the cover's cloth or something like that, and mm. then kind of mm. have Japanese, like, um, stitch binding. So, I mean, in the grand scheme of things, if money was no option, then I'd love to kind of push the concepts and boundaries of the production of it and link it to the person um but issue two was our kind of first year where it, we didn't we didn't do any other um kickstarter or self-funding so it was all from events and pop-ups were done during the year so money was a little bit tight so we weren't able to go as crazy but i mean yeah i really would like to kind of push it in future issues okay um and uh we're just going back a little bit what's your background you mentioned you're a magazine designer and um i think you've just uh, designed a book that's coming out um how yeah. did you get into magazines and well i guess how did you get into design in the first place um so i was always like creative kid at school or whatever um and then i went to university and arts university bournemouth studied graphic design and it was kind of in my second year i took over the student paper so it's a really weird name it's called bump um, but it's basically showcases all of the work from the arts uni and then we had a gallery as well so I had had a couple years editing that and designing it and kind of heading all of that up and I think that's really where it cemented kind of what I wanted to do um, and then in my final year at uni I just solely focused on designing books and magazines um, and designed like a six meter long book for one of my final projects and things like that so <laughs> yeah really weird um and also for my dissertation I wrote it about the magazine industry so I kind of contacted editors and things like that so that's kind of I was setting myself up for when I graduated kind of where I wanted to be um I freelanced for like the first couple of months just because I'd interned at studios and things like that but um they weren't really fit for me so I really wanted to pick a job that would help me and my skill set so I just went to a publishing house and all I designed was magazines and books for a couple of years and then when I launched Akin I went part-time um, and then I've now gone full-time freelance and I designed for The Guardian um, and then I also designed Rankin's latest book which I think is out tomorrow so it's very good timing. Oh, cool. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, how do you find, uh, is, is there much of a difference when you're looking at books and magazines? Kind of, is there a different process when you're creating those? Um, I think it's just the time frame which affects it the most. With books, you have a couple months and it's more of a luxurious process and you can kind of have time to 
choose different concepts and things like that. But if you're working on a magazine, because in The Guardian, I design on the weeklies, um, and that is literally like you'll get the brief on Tuesday and it has to be out by Friday. So it's kind of, you don't really have the time to think in depth as much as you'd like or kind of pursue loads of different avenues. You kind of have to trust your gut and go with something within reason. But and the process is kind of the same. It's all putting content on pages and working out the flow and working out the pace of the book and things like that. So I think, yeah, time kind of affects it the most. And obviously the client, because magazines are serving loads of readers, whereas books you're designing, well, Rankin, I designed it for him and it's then sold on behalf of him. So it's like the placement that they're kind of sold in might affect it a little bit. Yeah. Um, and uh, during your studies, were there any other magazines um, like on the newsstand that you kind of um, found interesting or uh, kind of took inspiration from that you then took on uh, into your career? Um, I don't know. I, when it, Just after I graduated in 2017, I worked um, at Mag Culture with Jeremy um, and we were designing his annual magazine event and that was the first time when I was like, wow, independent magazines are kind of like really pushing the boundaries in print, especially with the whole debate that internet and print's dying and things like that. When I was working at MagCulture, it kind of cements that they actually have their own place in the industry. And I, the magazines that like really entice me is like MacGuffin, they're super cool, or even Buffalo Zine, I find like amazing, especially with their latest issue where you just don't know what to expect and that's what I really like because they're just not that worried about trying different things and being too particular about things um, and I also really like a magazine called Vestoish where it's kind of like the psychology of clothes um, and why people wear things and how people wear things um, and I remember the editor said they'd done a launch party where one of their issues was about kind of faults in clothing so like when you have lipstick on your teeth and your skirt tucked into your tights or something um, and they hired loads of actors to have all of these faults within their clothes during their launch party just to see whether anyone would pick it out. <laughs> and I just thought that was really cool that they're having a little bit of fun with their issue and the whole concept and pushing it kind of outside the printed realm. Mm. Yeah, that sounds cool. Um, and well, you yourself um, had a launch party for issue two. Was that yeah. last week? Early this last, week? When was that? last Thursday. Last Thursday. How did that go? It was really well, uh, really, really good. I was taking over a shop um, last week, so we stocked it full of independent magazines and then kind of bundled it all into the launch. So the launch was on Thursday. Loads of people came. Loads of people were really complimentary of the issue. I mean, I'd hope so. <laughs> um, and, yeah, it's been getting really good feedback. I'm really happy with how the second issue went. You know when it's your own work and you look back on issue one and you're like, so many things I'd change, but... I'm really happy with issue two at the moment um, and it seems to slowly just be progressing which is good it's not too fast and not too crazy so hmm. yeah um, is it is it nice meeting your readers in person oh, um, what's that experience like massively so when I started when I well thought of making a kid I really wanted to do events and pop-up shops and things like that because for me existing in real life is so much more important than just kind of on paper and I feel like if you are competing with websites and newslet outlets which kind of just mass produce work then I feel like that kind of gives you the edge if you're able to 
meet your readers and it's so nice because then you can gauge what they want and what kind of content you can put out so we do a series called how to and our first one was how to make your side hustle your main career um, and that went really well there's loads of independent businesses that turned up and then now due to their feedback we're kind of um, launching our second event which is all going to be about tax which is very interesting <laughs> but okay. if we didn't kind of meet our readers and people which really interacted with it we wouldn't really know what they wanted so I really like it I think it's really valuable um, especially in the modern day yeah um, and th those events they don't sound like 100% um, linked to your magazine content uh, necessarily how, how are you finding that how are you kind of managing that slight difference in um, content I guess it's content they're not but I kind of enjoy it because I think because our magazine's biannual so we only come out twice a year very loosely I mean I was a little bit late this time um, <laughs> but um, I think because we have such a gap in between issues it, we're not so tied to our content always being the same mm. and we kind of have to exist between issues so people don't forget about us so I think having events is kind of a nice gap and a way to still be like hey we exist but don't mm. worry we're not still talking about Grayson or don't worry we're not still talking about Zaha so it, it allows us to be current but yeah still in people's minds hmm. yeah I mean your um, social media kind of descriptions um, say that you're a biannual magazine and creative community and I guess that kind of ties it up rather nicely you're kind of both at the same time yeah I think it's really important to me it might be because I'm freelance so I get a bit lonely yeah. but um, I just think it's really important to have a kind of main network of people that kind of support you and then you can support them um, and also in Norwich we have such a ma like massive independent business kind of ethos and we have loads of independent brands and things like that um, and our advertiser for issue two is an independent jewellery brand from Norwich so like I think oh, I am okay. kind of keen to keep that part of our magazine as well hmm. and um, you've well, since the summer, I think, um, you've been running different pop-ups selling independent magazines in Norwich. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, for me, that's a really exciting kind of extension of of the, the brand, I guess. Um, yeah. What made you start doing that? Um, so I moved back to Norwich in February from London. And obviously, when you're in London, everything's kind of at your fingertips and you get a bit spoiled with what you can kind of buy. <laughs> um and moving back to Norwich, I was like, oh, I can't buy any independent magazines here. Um, so it kind of just spiralled from there. I was like, well, if I can't, maybe other people can't. And my dad, he reads Monocle, classic father. Um, so And he couldn't buy it in Norwich. So I was like, okay, maybe some people are having the same problem. So I thought, well, I'm a magazine. It kind of links with Akin. And it'd be a nice kind of different thing to do. And it's going really well. Um, we've had two and then we've got four in the lead up to Christmas so super busy oh, okay. but yeah, we've yeah. had <laughs> yes really busy but we've had really nice feedback um, and people are really enjoying seeing like print come back kind of thing is what everyone says um, and even people which have so in Norwich people are always like oh I have to subscribe to them to get them and they don't always want to subscribe to them yearly but there's no other way for them to get them so we're kind of like a man in the middle. If they want to try a mm. magazine out but don't want to subscribe, then they can come to us. 
Yeah, um, and you've you've hosted these in different places so far. Have you got plans to have more kind of a permanent space? Gosh, I'd love to. Um, yeah, we've hosted them. I've hosted them on market stalls, literally in the middle of a street for a street fair. Um, one was in Quantstrom, which is a furniture shop. Our next one's in a hairdresser's. Um, really cool hairdressers, though. <laughs> they have like a gallery space and exhibitions and things. Um, yeah, I'd really love to kind of make it a more kind of cemented home as such where it can, can base itself. But it's kind of finding A, the money and B, the kind of time to make it all happen because um, mm. I do freelance as well. So I do have other projects yeah. on, but I do have a lot more time now. So, I mean... I said in the new year I'd take it more seriously in terms of the shop. So maybe next year we'll have a more permanent place, but it is the dream. <laughs> yeah, I kind of like the idea that it kind of, it's like a traveling circus kind of thing, go pops up in different areas. And obviously yeah. you're going you're gonna to reach different group of people in different places like that. Yeah. Um, which I, have, yeah. I guess kind of helps spread the indie magazine message. Yeah, it's super cool. And also in the hairdressers it's kind of women's magazines and things like that but we're potentially going into like a men's streetwear shop so that could obviously see stock loads mm. of other different titles and it's just showing people that independent magazines aren't just your kind of commercial thing there's so many of them nowadays that you can get one quite specific to either your hobby or like what you enjoy and it's kind of just celebrating like all the different kind of what's the word all the different things that they focus on like independent magazines are so broad nowadays or like the variation of them is so broad but then they all specialize in their own little thing and I think yeah different places allows us to pick different titles and show people different different mags and what they're doing and they're so cool nowadays yeah um what have there been certain like favorites that sell well in all your different locations so far um, Mundial sells well. <laughs> I know he was your yeah. previous podcast, but that sells really well. Yeah. Um, dog magazine. I just got the new dog. That sold really well. Um, okay. And there's loads of adventure ones in Norwich. People are a bit adventurous, like Sidetracked and Rucksack, um, and magazines like that sold quite well. But yeah, I just brought in Broccoli, which is obviously the okay. women's magazine for weed. Um, and people are so intrigued by it, and it's quite nice to see people's yeah. reactions. Um, but yeah, it's just yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, it's uh, it's great to see that you're yeah, not just making a good magazine, but also helping other magazines as well, and like making pe more people aware of the magazines that are out there. Because, like you say, there are a ton of good magazines um, mm -hmm. that yeah should be read. Yeah, and a lot lot of people which haven't picked them up before always comment that there's not a lot of advertising and they love it. <laughs> mm, and I'm like, okay. oh my God, I'm not flicking through 20 pages of advertising before <laughs> I get to an article. And I was like, well, yeah. there you go. <laughs> um, do you um, have any reading recommendations? What are your top magazines at the moment? Reading recommendations? Um, oh gosh, I mean... That's a hard question. <laughs> what, what magazines are at the top of your pile? Gosh, I've got so many in my lounge right now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I might say MacGuffin because I really enjoyed their trousers issue. Okay. Um, 
I don't know. I don't really have time to read anymore. I'm just mm, spend all my time well. designing it. But I really love um, what the New York Times are doing recently. Like Gail okay. and Matt, I just find whatever they touch, I just really like. <laughs> mm, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I always read, this isn't a magazine, but I always read mag cultures, like interviews and things like that. Mm -hmm. And I always find out about new people doing cool stuff from there. Yeah. yeah. All right, cool. Thanks. Well, um, all the best with the magazine and the pop-ups and uh, all your freelance work. Thank um, you. And thanks a lot for coming on. That's all right. And uh, yeah. Cheers. Bye. Thank you for listening, and thanks again to Alice for coming on the show for a chat. To listen to previous episodes, go to magheroes.net or search for Mag Heroes in any podcast app. Make sure you subscribe so you can catch all future episodes. I'm Dan's Mags on Instagram and Mag Heroes on Twitter. I hope you enjoyed the episode, and I'll catch you next week. Cheers! Cheers!